We live in a world where there are many, many, many different denominations that are out in the world today. And the question is, why can't we all just get along? Well, the problem is uh, the vision is wrong. The Bible tells us that it's wrong. And I don't question the sincerity or honesty of those that are members of those denominations because that's not my desire. But what we need to understand is that we need to follow the pattern that God has given us in his word. And division is something that God frowns upon because he wants us to all be united. And the idea of religious division has been accepted by man for many years. And when the church was established, there was no spiritual bodies that was acceptable to God other than the Lord's church. The church that Jesus said that he would build. That we read about here in our scripture reading in Matthew chapter 16. And when we talk about the church, we're not talking about this particular building or or group of people in and of itself. But we're also included in other churches of Christ. Those that meet and do what God wants them to do wherever they may be in this world. In Ephesians chapter 1 verses 22 through 23, it says, And hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. So what we learn from that passage of scripture is that Jesus Christ is the head of the church. And that makes sense when the Bible tells us that he would build his church. It makes sense to know that he's the head of that church. And it is he who determines what we are to do and how we are to worship and what we need to do in order to be saved and how we live our lives acceptable to God. We've been asking the question, are we following the real Jesus or are we following a Jesus that we've uh, created in our own mind? One that's going to accept what we like, do what we want done. Instead of doing what God or the Lord, Jesus wants us to do. Jesus tells us that if we're going to be a follower of his, that we have to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. And I'm sure that if we follow Jesus, it's going to lead to heaven. But if we follow man who creates some of these denominations, it's not going to lead us where we want to go. And so we want to talk about denominations today, division, and why we want to do what the Bible teaches us to do. And as God's people, we need to understand that we can be just as lost as someone else. And we need to understand that just because we might have the right name over the door doesn't necessarily mean that we're doing the will of our Father, which is in heaven. And that's what's important, that we have to do His will. And Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 4, it says that there is one body. Now there's one body and there's one head, and that head is Christ. And those of us who have obeyed the gospel, those those of us who have been baptized into Christ, were baptized into that body, into the body of Christ. And therefore, we belong to Him. And He's the head, so He directs what we're supposed to be doing. We can see that there is a church universal 
And that when Jesus said, upon this rock I will build my church, that church could be anywhere on this planet. It could be in Europe, it could be in Asia, it could be in South America, it could be in many different places. But are they doing all the things that the Lord wants them to do? And then we can also see, when you look at that little map that's up there, that when Paul went around, he established churches in different communities, in different cities. And in Romans chapter 16 and verse 16, when it tells us that the churches of Christ salute you, it is plural because it's talking about those different congregations, and we would be part of those congregations if we existed at that time. Because we would be one of the churches of Christ. Why is that? Because we try to follow the pattern of the New Testament. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, it says, And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. And so remember that Jesus is it's his church. It's not your church. It's not my church. It's the Lord's church. And we're privileged to be a part of that church when we obey his will. We're added to the church just like they were on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. Over time, we can see that man has decided that they had ideals and wants that were different from what the scripture teaches. And that led to the establishment of denominations. And they claim that all of those denominations make up the body of Christ. Now when you think about that for a moment, when you look at all the denominations, and there's just a very few that are represented in that chart, church, or on that chart, because I have a book at home that in southeast Michigan, there's like 3,500 different churches. That's, that, that's, I, I couldn't chart that on the screen. But many times people started a new denomination because they didn't agree with one that existed. And the point is that we need to go back and we need to establish the pattern that the Lord has given us in the New Testament. And while there, are, there were few that we can see on the screen, today there are literally thousands upon thousands of different denominations and so we need to stand against that plague and encourage people to get back to the Bible. And as Christians, we need to understand that we need to be, get back to the Bible also. That we want to be New Testament Christians. I had someone ask me one time, what do you mean when you say a New Testament Christian? I want to be a Christian like I can read about in the New Testament. Because there's a lot of people out there that claim to be Christians that aren't living by that standard, haven't done what the Bible says that we need to do in order to become a Christian. And I want you and I want me to be a New Testament Christian. Just like they were in the New Testament. Denominationalism is divisive. We're going to look at three things. Divisive is one of those things that we're going to look at. And by the time that Jesus came to earth, the Jews were very well familiar with denominationalism because they had the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the Herodians, and, and the uh, Zealots. They had different uh, groups that had been divided up. 
And you can go back and you can look at the history of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Herodians and others. And we can see what they believed and what they practiced. And we can see that Jesus condemned the Pharisees and condemned the Sadducees. That they needed to get back to the law and follow the law, what was written. And that's the same as true today. And each denomination has its particular differences from the others. They claim something that makes them distinct. You have the Baptists, you have the Lutherans, you have the Catholics, you have the Pentecostals, you have the Methodists, you have many different ones that are out there, and they all claim that we're going to the same place. Again, I don't question their honesty, I don't question their sincerity, but if we're not following what the New Testament teaches, are we going to heaven? That's what we have to ask ourselves. And that's really the important thing is sometimes we get caught up because we may have family and friends and people that we love in some of those denominations. And so therefore we kind of, you know, back off and we don't say what needs to be said. But the Bible claim or proclaims that the division is wrong. They have their own names, as we mentioned, They have their own doctrines. Some will say baptism is essential to salvation. Some say it's not. Some say that you can be sprinkled, you can be poured. Others will say it has to be immersion. They have their own doctrines. And all they would claim are trying to improve upon what the Bible teaches. Trying to make sure that their, their particular denomination stays pure. God's word keeps us pure when we follow his pattern, his plan. We can see in the New Testament that Jesus prayed for unity, not diversity, not division. In John chapter 17, verses 20 and 21, it says, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. When we look out in the religious world today and we say, find one on one corner and one that says, this is what you need to do to be saved. On another corner, you find a different denomination that says, no, you don't have to do that. Do something else. And you go around, you can find multiple ways to be saved. How can we all say that we're going to the same place? And when you see those things, it causes problems. It causes division. Because if I wasn't a Christian and I was out there in the world today and someone come to me, I would say, how do you know that what you're doing is right? Because you look out there and you see all of this division, all these different churches, and each one says something different. How do you know that they're, you're right? Which one's the right one? Jesus said that we all should be one. Why? So that the world would believe that God had sent him. That's the purpose. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about Jesus Christ. It's about his church that we want to be part of. Look what Paul preached. In 1 Corinthians, the first chapter, verse 10, it says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same things, and that there be no division among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together of the same mind and of the same judgment. You look at a passage like that and you say, How could we all speak the same thing? 
Well, I don't think that it's very complicated. How could we all speak the same thing? Does everybody in here know what 2 plus 2 equals? Raise your hand if you know what 2 plus 2 equals. Raise your hand if you don't. How many knows what 10 times 10 is? We all know the answers to that. How many of us know what a noun is and a verb is? Now, we might not know today, but we used to. But how do we know that? Because not everybody went to Willow Run High School. Not everybody went to Ipsy Public Schools. Not everyone went to Van Buren Public Schools. I'm sure that there are many different places that are represented, schools that are represented here today. I'm sure some went to Garden City, some went to other places in the state, some went to school in places other than Michigan. But yet we all know that 2 plus 2 equals 4. And 10 times 10, uh, 10, times 10 is 100. We know what a verb is. We know what a noun is. Why? Because every one of those schools followed the same standard. And brethren, when we're following the same standard and not putting our opinion in it or what we would like or what we feel or what someone else has told us, when we go to the standard of the New Testament, we're going to follow and say the same things. Now, why is there problems with history and some of the other classes that we have in school? Because opinion comes into it. This is what I think. Or this is what I believe. And we put our own spin on it. And the same thing happens in the religious world. Instead of looking at the standard and trying to determine what the Lord wants us to do, we put our opinion in it. We put what we think or what we feel as opposed to what the Lord says. So yes, it's possible that we can all speak the same things. We can all say what needs to be said about being baptized or being saved, about baptism, why it's essential to salvation, and how we need to organize a church, and how we need to be a part of that church, and how we are to live our lives. But we don't follow the same standard. We should follow the Bible, not creeds and, and catechisms and, and, and other philosophies that are out there. In Philippians chapter 1 and verse 27, Paul says. Only let your conversation be as it become of the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs and that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. I challenge you to show me in the Bible where someone says, let's just agree to disagree. Paul's telling us that we can be united. We can have one spirit. We can have one mind. And we can strive together in the faith of the gospel. In Philippians chapter 2 and verse 2. Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. If you notice in the New Testament, many times when the disciples came together and, and the congregation came together, it, it mentions that they were with one accord. That means that they were together. They were in agreement. They worked together. They had that same spirit. That's what needs to exist today in a religious world. It's obtained by doing God's word, doing God's will, doing what God tells us to do. 
In Colossians chapter 3 and verse 17, And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. We're doing what we do based upon what the Lord has said. Do we need a thus saith the Lord? We should have a thus saith the Lord. We should be able to say why we give, why we partake of the Lord's Supper, why we do all the things that we do in our worship service on Sunday. We should know from Scripture why we do those things. What do we do in order to be saved? We can look at the Scripture and tell people what we did because we did what they did back in the New Testament in order to be saved. We go back to the Bible. We do what the Lord tells us to do. In, in, in Acts chapter 4, verses 7 through 10, it says, And when they had set him in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have ye done this? Then Peter filled with the Holy Ghost and said unto them, Ye rulers and people and elders of Israel, if this day be examined of the good deeds done unto the impotent man, by whom or by what means he was made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. They had been called before the council because they had healed the lame man. And here we find that they're, que that they're being questioned by what power or what authority did they do what they were doing. Those are excellent questions. And that's questions that people need to ask today. What authority do you do what you're doing? You know, why do we do what we're doing in, in our worship service? Why do you say that baptism is essential to salvation? By what authority do you say that? And that's exactly what Peter is answering him. Here, he's saying, by the authority of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And by the way, you crucified him. And God raised him from the dead. Uses that opportunity to preach the gospel. The death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In 2 John verse 9 it says, Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrines of Christ, hath not God, he that abideth in the doctrines of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. So again, when we listen to what the Bible is teaching us, it's showing us that we all should be speaking the same things. We should be practicing the same things. We should be out living as a Christian supposed to live. And we do it based upon the authority of the Scripture. And if we're not following the Scripture, if we're not following the doctrines of Christ, if we're adding to it or taking away from it, then we have no part in that kingdom. And so we understand or should understand the denominationalism is something that's very divisive. But it's also distracting. <clears throat> you can look at Jeroboam in 1 Kings chapter 12 beginning in verse 25. And listen to what it says. And then Jeroboam built Shechem. In Mount Ephraim and dwelt therein, and went out from thence and built Penuel. And Jeroboam said in his heart, Now shall the kingdom return to the house of David. If this people go up to do sacrifice in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then shall the heart of this people turn again unto their Lord, even unto Rehoboam king of Judah, and they shall kill me and go again to Rehoboam king of Judah." Here we have the divided kingdom, 
And what they're doing is they're in a place where they need to go back to Jerusalem to worship, but yet they're not going to do that. And, and Jeroboam realizes that if they go back, then they're going to realize what I'm doing is wrong. And so I want to do something to compromise. I want to make them comfortable. And I wonder how many times people would do what is right if someone showed them in the Bible. And I'm sure that many of us have had the same experience where you're talking to someone and you show them what the Bible says and they say, well, I'm going to go ask my pastor about it. You say, go ahead. And they go talk to their pastor and what's the message that comes back? My pastor said, don't talk to you anymore. Well, why? I'm just showing you what the Bible says. That's kind of what Jeroboam's saying. That if they go back and they do what they're supposed to do, they're going to come back and they're going to kill me because I'm not doing what, they're, what we're supposed to do. And so we go on, verse 28, Whereupon the king took counsel and made two, gold, or two calves of gold and said unto them, It is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Behold thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And he set one in Bethel, and the other in, he, he put in Dan. And this thing became a sin, for the people went to worship before the one even unto Dan. He knew what he was doing was wrong. But he did it anyways. And others followed suit, followed man, instead of following God. And they were lost as a result of it. Now you say, well, now that's pretty obvious, because that was an idol. And we know idol worship's wrong. What was his reasoning? It's too much for you to go back. So I'm setting this up for you. I've had people say, oh, the Church of Christ is too hard. They're too harsh. They expect you to live by what the Bible says. Yeah, doesn't the Lord expect us to live by what the Bible says? And so they want something that's easier. Something that soothes their conscience. And so you get doctrines like once saved, always saved. You're saved by grace only. You get a lot of different doctrines that are out there that are there to please the person as opposed to pleasing the Lord. The spread of man-made doctrines distracted the Galatians. The churches of Galatia... Paul addresses in Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. When he says, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that calls you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again. If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. The problem with the churches of Galatia, they were pulling in the old law. The law of Moses and some of the principles that were involved with that and statutes and, and, and things of that nature. And people were saying that you had to follow these things also with the gospel. And so they were adding to it. And Paul says he marvels that they were so soon removed from the gospel, the truth. Because they had been deceived, they had been tricked. And he goes so far as to say, though we or an angel from heaven. 
Now, he includes himself in that group. Though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you, let him be accursed. Now, if an angel can materialize right there on that floor this morning, standing right here and looking at all of us and says, listen, I have a different gospel for you. i got a different message. Just, we're going to tweak this gospel just a little bit, and it's going to be perfect. Now, you knew it was an angel. I don't know how you would know it was an angel, but you knew it was an angel. Would you believe him? Or would you say we have what we need? And we don't need anything else. That's how Paul, how serious Paul was about the gospel. That there's nothing that we can add to it that's going to improve it. There's nothing that we can take away from it that will make it better. That gospel is something that we need to preach and teach and practice in our lives. And we need to share it with the world. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 4. Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. We're saved by grace and people say you can't fall from grace. Well, Paul didn't know that. Because he says you've fallen from grace. Now I can't fall from this roof unless I'm on this roof. Which means I can't fall from grace unless I'm in that grace to begin with. And Paul's telling us that you can fall from grace. And remember, he's talking to the churches, the church that Jesus built, the church that we're a part of. How many of, are there of this very hour that have been distracted by false assurances and false hope? People are taught you, you're never going to be lost. You know, you, you, you believe you'll, you'll be saved and you can't do anything that will cost you your salvation. That's contrary to what the Bible teaches. Peter teaches us that we can fall from grace. Paul taught us that we can fall from grace. We can be lost. Again. But when you have denominations that are out there saying once you're saved, you can't be lost. Who wants to leave something like that? It's easier to believe a lie than what the Bible teaches. Because it takes less effort on our part to be obedient to our Lord. But Jesus said in Matthew chapter 15 and verse 9, But in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Our worship could be vain. If we teach the doctrines of men as opposed to the doctrines of Christ, we're wasting our time. Is what we to follow is what we follow distracting or is it directing us to Christ? Is it directing us to heaven? Jesus asked a very important question in Matthew chapter 21 and verse 25. When he said, the baptism of John, whence was it? From heaven or of men? And they reasoned with themselves saying, if we say from heaven, he will say unto us, why did you not then believe him? Is what you're following, what you're practicing today, is it from God? Is it from heaven? Or is it from man? 
That's a question all of us have to ask ourselves. Am I following the pattern that God wants me to follow? Or am I following what I've created in my own mind that says God's going to like it and he's going to accept it? You see, we've been warned multiple times against such things as denominationalism. In Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 12, there is a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. In Jeremiah chapter 10 and verse 23, O Lord, I know the way that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. God's word, the Bible, is what tells us why we're here, our purpose for being here, what is pleasing to God. I don't know what God wants me to do without God's word. I need direction. We all need direction. But some of us don't want to accept what the Bible teaches. We would rather feel good about what we're doing, even though it may be contrary to God's will. Denominationalism is also destructive. <clears throat> In Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 18, it says, Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. We can show people sometimes, sometimes ourselves included, we can show people what the Bible says. Because they believe something else or someone else that they know and love and care about believes something different, they're not going to change. They're going to allow their pride to get in the way when if, instead of humbling, humbly accepting what the Bible teaches and changing their ways to do what the Bible says. You see, the, <clears throat> we should heed the warnings that Jesus gives us. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23, when he says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. That's kind of a frightening passage of Scripture. When you think about what Jesus says, not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. You see, there are denominations out there that says you're not saved by works, but the Bible tells us we are saved by works. Faith without works is dead. Now, we don't do those works to earn salvation. We don't do those works to say, God, oh, look what I did. And I've got a checklist here. I've done all of these things. You have to give it to me. Our purpose was we were created for good works. That in Christ, that's what we're supposed to be doing. We're living and doing the things that he wants us to do. And so by doing those things, we're showing our love for God. But we need to be honest and sincere and I'm sure that some of those that, Paul, uh, that Jesus is talking about right here when he says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Because he goes on and he talks about what some were able to do. But then he says, I'm going to profess to you, I never knew you. I don't want to be in that group. And I hope you don't want to be in that group. And the only way to avoid that is by being obedient to what God's word teaches us. 
In Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, it says, Enter ye into the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way which that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Jesus is saying, guess what? The majority of the people aren't going to be saved. Is that the Lord's fault? No, that's our fault. Because that means that the majority are going to choose something different. Instead of following the path that the Lord wants us to follow. Few are going to be saved. What will we use on a judgment day? When we're judged according to the life that we've lived here? Jesus tells us that the word that he's spoken, the same shall judge us in the last days. So Jesus is going to be our judge and we're going to be compared to his word. The words that he's spoken. The words that he's given to his apostles. All of those things are going to be important. And that's what we're going to be judged by. So if you're not following what Jesus says, what's going to be your defense on the day of judgment? Think about what's going to happen to us. Jesus gives us a picture of the judgment scene in Matthew chapter 25. Beginning in verse 34, he says, Then shall the king say to those on his right hand, Come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for me from the foundations, or for you from the foundations of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. You can read their response in that chapter, and you can see what they thought of what Jesus was saying. But Jesus is basically saying, you did what I wanted you to do. You sacrificed your life to help other people. That's part of that denying self, taking up your cross, and following him. That's what Jesus would do. And that's what he expects you and I to do. But when we choose something else, we're going to hear what's said to those on the left. Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. God doesn't want to say that to anyone. But it's going to happen to the majority of people. You see, man-made institutions will not be able to help us in that moment. Only our Lord will be able to help us. And we want to be a part of his body, the church. Because outside of that body, we have no promise of salvation. We have no promise of hope. Our hope is in Christ Jesus. And we want to be a part of that body, that one body. That we read about in Ephesians, that one church that Jesus talked about in Matthew, all of those things mean something. And we need to make sure that we are learning the truth. Don't just take my word for it. Go home and read and study for yourself. Because Jesus said, ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And that word will sanctify us. And his word is truth according to John chapter 17 and verse 17. That's how we're set apart. That's how we're cleansed, by following his word, doing what he wants us to do. The question is, is that what you're doing today? 
You see, you may be a member of the church and yet you're still not doing what the Lord wants you to do. And as I've asked multiple times, are we following the true Jesus? Are you really denying yourself? Taking up your cross and following Him? Because I guarantee you, if you're following Jesus, He's going to lead you to heaven. Because that's the only way we can get there is through Jesus Christ Himself. And so I ask you this morning, who are you following? Some man-made organization? Some man-made doctrines? Or are you following Christ? Are you part of His church? Because that's the only place we see that salvation is promised. Because that body was purchased with the blood of Christ that was shed on the cross. And I ask you, has your, have you been purchased with His blood today? Have you been cleansed by that precious blood? And that's why baptism represents the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. You go down into that water, you come up out of that water a new creature. Just like Jesus came off that cross and was laid in a tomb and rose victorious, his body was changed. We're changed when we come up out of that water. Our sins have been washed away by the precious blood of Christ. When you talk about salvation in the New Testament, and salvation and instructions is given on what one must do, you'll see baptism is something that is essential. And that's why we preach it and teach it, that you need to be baptized into Christ. And that's water baptism, just like the Ethiopian eunuch experience in Acts chapter 8, where him and Philip both went down in the water and he baptized him. You can do that today if you're not a child of his. You can be buried with our Lord in baptism to go on your way rejoicing. Maybe you are a Christian and you're not living like you should. Maybe you're not following the teachings of Christ. Maybe in your own mind you've created your own Jesus. And you say you're following Jesus, but it's not the one that we read about in the New Testament. Then you need to make changes in your life. And we're here to help you in any way that we can. We can pray with you. We can encourage you. Or we can baptize you into Christ. You can do that this morning. You have that opportunity while we stand and sing.